Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and as some of you may or may not know, I am in school right now getting my transitional DPT, and part of the coursework is a course in wound management, and that's I'm going through that right now. I actually handed in my final project about 10 minutes ago. And what really struck me is that, number one, as a PT, I really did not know the extent to which physical therapists can be involved in wound care. And when I talk to other therapists, physicians, my patients, even family, most people are shocked to know that physical therapists can play a big role in wound care. Wound care within the hospital setting, wound care within the home setting, within the outpatient setting. And so, you know, on this show, I, I love to highlight different aspects of physical therapy, that physical therapists are more than just someone who puts a hot pack on you and gives you some exercises and sends you on your way, which we all know does not, hope, hopefully, does not happen anymore. And that physical therapy itself really casts a, a much wider net. And so today, this show is dedicated to the physical therapist's role in wound care management. And my guest today uh, is Harriet Lone. She is a physical therapy graduate of the University of North Carolina, received her doctorate in PT from the University of the Pacific, is a certified wound specialist, and we'll talk about that during the interview, and an OSHA trainer. She is the recently retired clinical educator for wound management at Archbold Medical Center in Thomasville, Georgia, and now has her own consulting firm. She is a national and international speaker, researcher, published author of articles and textbook chapters, which, as a side note, is how I found her because all the research I was doing during my wound care, I was like, who is this person? Why do they keep coming up? And so I did a Google search, found her in LinkedIn, and here we are. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, so she's publisher of author, published author of articles and textbook chapters, educator, consultant, and clinician. She has received numerous professional awards, including the Distinguished, Distinguished Member Award of the Association for the Advancement of Wound Care, where she was a board, board of director member, the Excellence in Clinical Practice Award from the North Carolina Physical Therapy Association, and twice the Professional Merit Award of the American Physical Therapy Association's Section on Clinical Electrophysiology and Wound Management, of which she is now president, and where she is the recently retired president of the Wound Management Special Interest Group. She presently chairs the task force seeking ABPTS Physical Therapy Wound Management Specialization, and again, we'll talk a little bit about that um, uh, during the interview. So Harriet, thank you for taking the time out and coming on the show. And, um, you know, it's, it's exciting to have, to have you on. So thank you. Thank you very much, Karen. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay. So, you know, let's get right down to it. And, and like I said in the intro, a lot of people, PTs and non-PTs, don't even know that physical therapists have a role in wound management. So how did physical therapists get involved to begin with? 
I think that's very true that um, many people do not know PTs uh, have anything to do with wound management at all. And it actually started, um, my thoughts are, when we worked with burn patients many, many years ago, we were able to debride, and so we were working with burn patients. And that's how it really started. Um, And after that, we began to see more and more patients with wounds. Uh, And my first three mentors really were in the early 90s, uh, Lou Cloth, uh, Joe McCullough, Carrie Sussman. Those three were really the, the mentors and still are for all of us, I think, in wound management. Um, still very active um, and certainly their first conferences were the ones that really speared me on. And that's actually the Cloth and McCullough book is, is actually the book that I'm using in my <laughs> Is that right? In my class yes. right now, uh-huh. yes, to to you know learn the ins and outs of wound management. So those names are very familiar yes. with me because I think I have put them in every bibliography thus far in my course. <laughs> yes, they're still very well respected, very active, and still mentors to all of us. And you know, are all physical therapists allowed to practice uh, wound management or wound care? Yes, um, actually they are. Um, All of the state, it depends, of course, on your state practice Mm -hmm. act. Some of them specifically speak to permission to sharp debris is what we're talking about mainly. Okay. Uh, But some state practice acts are silent on it, which means you can debris because all physical therapists have that in their curriculum. Okay. Some more than others, of course. Of course. Um, You have to be a graduate of an accredited physical therapy school, um, and, and the APTA actually has that as part of the guide to practice, and mm-hmm. it's part of one of the um, clinical practice guidelines. And can you just quickly uh, explain sharp debridement? Um, yes, I will, and I wanted to also say that in the some of the states, uh, when we were talking a minute ago about the State Practice Act, mm-hmm. some of the states do require some extra training. Okay. Uh, they've opened their Practice Act back up and said that they must have some kind of certificate. I just okay. so I think every physical therapist should um, check with his or her State Practice Act. But um, sharp debridement is very different from surgical debridement. And I think that's one of the key issues when uh, physicians get talk about physical therapists being involved. And some get real upset when they hear we're doing debridement. Mm-hmm. And the important thing to understand is that sharp debridement is strictly necrotic tissue. We do not debride viable tissue. Surgical debridement is viable and non-viable. And so that's the difference. But we are authorized um, to do any kind of non-viable debridement. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you'd mentioned before that some states are now requiring extra certifications. So Mm -hmm. can you uh, talk about some of the certifications available to PTs? Yes. Um, For the sharp debridement, those are usually just... um, courses that you take or check-offs, labs that you attend, that's not a board certification of any kind. Those are state by state. However, there are certifications available for wound care or wound management. Uh, There are several available um, in the country. Uh, One of them is um, only for nursing. 
and that's WOCN, of course, and physical therapists aren't eligible for that. There are several that are just for physicians. Those have been developed after the multidisciplinary, but we do have uh, several multidisciplinary certifications available. Great. And so is it, it's not 100% required that you take on these certifications to do wound care? Correct. That's okay. absolutely right. You do not have to have them. You can do them just by virtue of your graduation from an accredited school. Okay. Most wound centers do require certification. Okay. Again, that's not mandatory, but most do. Okay. And what is the difference between board, like what, what are examples of board certified uh, and, and not board certified? Is there a difference? Yes, there is. Uh, there are two um, probably major um, certifications available in the United States. And one is a board certification, and oh. that is um, uh, the board certification you'll hear C written, CWS. Okay. That's from the American Board of Wound Management. And there is a certification for physicians through them for multidisciplinary um, graduates of uh, for at least a four-year college graduate okay. from them. And then there is a uh, certification for PTAs or oh, those okay. who do not have a four-year college graduate. Okay. Then there is another certification um, that is given by another uh, group, and that is a group that g- teaches their own course and then gives their own exam. Got it. Got it. Okay. So little, a little bit different. So is that the National Alliance of Wound Care and Osteotomy? Right. That, yeah. That's the one. And that one is um, they, the one that gives their own exam. Their own exam. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. And how, you know, when I was sort of doing some research for the last project that I just did, I was sort of doing some research into the certified wound specialist, um, and that's they require you to have at least three years of experience. I believe that's what they said, that they want three years of cert of three years to show that you have wound care experiences before, before you sit for the exam. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And uh-huh. what about, are there continuing education classes that people can take? Yes, there are. There are no, no specific <laughs> required classes for okay. the CWS, um, but there are on the, Website for um, the CWS. It gives um, clear instructions of who's what's um, required and uh-huh. where you can go. But they are not. They do not tell you what specifically to take. Okay. There are some courses that are taught in preparation for the exam, um, but those are on your own. You take those on your own. Got it. Got it. Okay. So let's talk about. So I think that's important because I know, <coughs> you know, in this day and age, I feel like a lot of people are you know, looking for those certifications because maybe it makes you be, you know, I think you're more of an expert in your field when you have those certifications and perhaps more likely to have physicians refer to you for wound care if you are a certified wound specialist. You know, I feel like it may give you a little extra edge. Yes, I think that is true. I think that's true from physicians and probably from the uh, public also, from our patient standpoint. Does not mean that you are not an excellent therapist without it, but certainly it does give a a sense of credibility with it, especially with a board-certified exam. Sure, sure. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Um, Now, is there, so you know, within the world of the APTA, 
There are your orthopedic specialists. There are your sports specialists, acute care specialists. Is there a wound care specialist? <laughs> um, not at present, but uh. hopefully there will be soon. We have tried for many years to um, to get a specialty exam, and uh-huh. uh, this past three years, uh, we have succeeded in submitting a petition. We've worked for three years. Um, We submitted last July to the American Board of Physical Therapy Specialists uh, about 500-page petition. Um, So just so that people know, it's not just you send in a piece of paper and say, we'd like to have one. There is an enormous amount of work. (laughs) Not that easy. Uh Um, And it was an enormous amount of work by many, many physical therapists. Um, much more difficult than the doctorate, <laughs> but um, it's going to be something I hope that if it is approved um, will help all of us in the future. Uh, it has been um, it has been in review. Uh, we have some additions to make. We're doing those now. Uh, hopefully, if it is approved by the board, it will go to the um, a board of directors of APTA. If they approve, it goes to the House of Delegates. And if they approve, um, then we will um, begin the development of an exam. And that takes probably about a year. And then we have to produce an exam, which will take about another year. So we're looking at probably two to three years from now um, it is a long process, um, but we're very fortunate because we've been told that we're only the second section to have a specialty exam get this far in about the last 20 years. So wow. we're, very, we're very lucky. Yeah, so we feel, we feel good um, where we're still working hard. A lot of PTs are working very hard on right. this. Wow. And, you know, I think this week is sort of the APTA is doing this big push on, or this month, I believe, a big push on why you should be an APTA member. Yes, it is. The APT, yeah, and what the APTA can do for you. Yes. And I think this is a great example as to what the APTA is really working and, and the therapists involved in the APTA sort of working behind the scenes to get this these sorts of measures pushed through. Like you said, it, you don't just hand um, in a piece of paper and, oh, Okay, yep, right. we've got a certification. <laughs> we like to do this, <laughs> right. It's a great example. And the um, the petition came with letters from uh, physicians, from other, uh, other organizations and everything. It's not just from PTs mm-hmm. and there were many surveys and many people involved. So also of interest, I think, is that when I started working on this, I did not realize that... Um, People in the armed services and the government cannot get promoted unless their certification is discipline specific. And so these multidisciplinary um, accreditations uh, do not help them. So it really helps uh, those of our colleagues who are in the uh, military and the um, government um, to help from that standpoint also. Another point of interest is that one state um, will no longer allow a physical therapist to put credentials behind his or her name unless their their national association has um, accredited them. So they cannot use the multidisciplinary. So it's going to be a help to a lot of our colleagues, I think. Yeah, that's great. I didn't know that. Um, Okay. So uh sort of took a little side note there, but an important side note. So mm-hmm. let's talk about 
um, where if you're doing wound management, it doesn't have to be in a hospital or in a hospital setting only, or can you work across all settings? You can work across all settings. You can do it in the hospital. You can do it in ICU in the hospital or in the patient's room. You can do it in the emergency room. Certainly wound centers are a big part of it. Even home health. And I um, I think you're involved in home health. The one um, cautionary point I would make in home health is with sharp debridement. Now, that's a personal opinion, but I would hesitate to do sharp debridement um, in a situation where I would not have a physician nearby or mm-hmm. someone if we got into problems and needed help. Yeah, I think that makes so, a lot of sense. But other uh, other interventions, absolutely, you can do it anywhere in a long-term care setting, um, in a, a dock in the box, anywhere. Okay. So, yeah, and, and I agree with you on the home health setting. You know, I think you just have to use your common sense there. Yes, you know, absolutely. it just doesn't make sense. That's and, <coughs> excuse me, the other form, and I think I've, I spoke to, about this to you, that uh, most people did, did not want in their home is the pulse lavage. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think I, when I spoke to a lot of my patients about it, because I had a, a project due for that for school, and most people said they would not want that done in their house because it can be a little messy. Well, it can be messy only if you don't know exactly yeah. how to set it up and yeah. all because it, it's very simple to do, easy to control. Um, and in fact, that's one of the nice things about it is that you can control mm. the splash and control everything. So once the therapist knows how to set it up, it's, it's very brief. easy to do. It's portable, um, it's disposable, yeah. and so it's it's such a, a great infection control measure. It's very easy to do. Cool. Yes. Cool. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that um, yes. in, in a little bit. Um, but so let's talk about, you know, we spoke earlier, you spoke about PTs being involved in the care of patients with burns. Yes. What other types of wounds mm-hmm. can we uh, help our patients with? All right. I think probably we think of ulcers first, and there are three main types of ulcers, a pressure ulcers we think of, uh, vascular ulcers, both arterial and venous and mixed, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, and neuropathic ulcers. We used to just say diabetic. uh, Now we say neuropathic because we know there are others who um, have neuropathies other than patients who have diabetes. Mm -hmm. So those we probably see most often. But if you're in a hospital setting or an emergency room setting, you're going to see traumatic wounds. Uh, In the hospital, you're going to see surgical wounds that dehiss, and you're going to follow them in wound care centers and at home. Mm -hmm. Um, Infectious wounds you're going to see. Um, Really, there's not a wound that I can think of that we would not be or could not be involved with. And, you know, are, are ulcers the most common? Are that? Probably, um, I would say yes, um, simply because of the huge population of diabetes. Mm-hmm. I know especially I'm in the South, and mm-hmm. especially in the South we have a huge population of people with diabetes, and um, there's a uh, Population gets older, we're going to be seeing more and more, unfortunately, pressure ulcers. So there's a huge national push to prevent those. And Mm -hmm. that's part of our teaching also. But I think, yes, you're um, more likely to see those. Yeah. And actually, it's it's interesting because I had this question floating around in my head and you just kind of alluded to it is, so 
it's great that, you know, we as physical therapists can treat a lot of these wounds, but what can we do as physical therapists in a more preventative measure? Uh, it's a huge part, I think, of what we do, yeah. and it's just automatic for um, in treatment of a wound. Um, we're going to be teaching our patients what to do to prevent that wound from reoccurring and to prevent uh, their family members or their friends. They can teach others. Uh-huh. We, we have a huge role, I think, in education and in prevention, and that's, that's a big part of because of our education, of our anatomy that we take, of our physiology, our pathology, we understand diseases, we know what to do. And then because of our functional capacities to teach and help prevent, um, it's just for every single wound, we have a way of helping to prevent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's very important. You know, it's, it's like, why not go the preventative route before all that... I- time and expense and loss of quality of life happens, you know. Absolutely. And in so many states now, uh, physical therapists can see without a physician's referral, but are limited to wellness only. And that's a perfect place to do that prevention. Perfect place. Really? Only limited to wellness? Yes. There's some states that just limit it to wellness without without, um, referral. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole other show. Yes, you're right. <laughs> yes, we won't get into that. Yeah, that's a whole other show. Okay, right. so let's talk about what what PTs use in order to treat wounds. So right. obviously we've just touched upon the education. So mm-hmm. what else is in our sort of arsenal okay. to help our patients? Well, of course, we're going to do a complete eval of the whole patient, not just the hole in the patient, which is what our sweet oh. mentor Carrie Sussman first that's said. Great. That, um, and I think again, that's, that's a great. huge thing to remember. Um, we're not just treating the wound. So we're doing a complete eval and do a complete plan of care. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we have a lot of things in our arsenal. Um, sharp debridement, I think, is one of the main things. And that, again, we talked about our background in anatomy and the fact that we as physical therapists, most of us, most of us do cadaver dissection. So it really is a perfect um, role for us. Uh, another one, you mentioned pulse lavage mm-hmm. with suction, which I think is one of the Uh, most wonderful interventions that have been developed, along with negative pressure wound therapy. Uh Those two, I think, um, and certainly in my lifetime. Yeah. Can you explain (laughs) those two a little bit more? Because I think a lot of people don't know what that is. Yes. um, Pulse lavage with suction is a a method of irrigation and debridement. It's using um, uh, lavage um, or even just a gentle irrigation, but you, it's... uh, a device that you can also make a, f- a more firm lavage, but it's regulated so that there is no way you can damage good granulation tissue. Whereas physicians do use this in the OR at a really high PSI or pounds per square inch. So it's important to let your physician know you're using it for wound management, for soft tissue, not at the high PSI. You're not going to damage. You're not going to drive bacteria into the wounds. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful for for debriding and increasing granulation tissue. The negative pressure wound therapy is uh, just what it says. It uses negative pressure with a um, dressing in a wound, and it helps to withdraw all the exudate out of the wound, draws the 
uh, enzymes up into the wound to help bathe that wound and to help pull it together. And it, those two factors, I think, um, both have just been amazing mm-hmm. interventions. Yeah. yeah, the the negative pressure wound therapy, uh, also like one of the more popular uh I guess ways to look at it is like vac therapy, so vacuum assisted closure therapy. Yes, mm-hmm. is that that's, right? Right, that's one yeah. of the brands. That's that was one of the, the brands. first one. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. I was really fortunate to work at Wake Forest University Baptist Medical Center with doctors um, Moriqua and um, and who um, helped to um, develop that. Oh, it's, it's first. Uh-huh. It's a really cool piece of equipment. Yes, right. So it's just wonderful, and it has. And now it's they've developed. Many companies have them, mm-hmm. and they're portable ones. They're yep. ones that can go. You can wear them under your clothes if you have leg wounds, and no one even knows they're on there. But it's mm-hmm. just been. They've been amazing. They really are truly almost miracle. Yeah, it's it's super cool. One of my a patient that I had that I was seeing in her home, I was not doing her wound care. The visiting nurse service was doing her wound care, but she had a, a vac uh-huh. pump and it really, it took like a month mm-hmm. or so from uh-huh. her discharge from the hospital. Uh-huh. So she was discharged with an, so what happened was she had a, a baclofen pump put in and it got infected and then the wound yes. got infected and started sort of trailing in. Right, And right. so they did debridement. The doctor did sharp debridement when uh-huh. he took the uh, baclofen pump out. Uh-huh. And then she came home with this vac unit. Mm-hmm. And it was really amazing. Yes, and Boy, it that is. sucker closed right? up in like right? four, mu- uh, four it, weeks. There was no sign of infection. And it, it is. Just, right. Dr. Argento was the physician who um, who had the thought. And Dr. Mariqua was the um, uh, engineer that helped him with it. And that it, it truly is Um it's just amazing when you look at their work and yeah. see, the, see the wounds. It truly is. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And and just right. for our listeners out there, uh, the the way that I sort of found Harriet was I was uh, researching the pulse lavage with suction. And if you go to you know PubMed or however else you're searching, and you put in pulse lavage with suction, almost every article, Harriet <laughs> has some hand in that article. So I kept on like, who is this H. Lone? Who is this person? She's in every single article I'm reading on this. I need to find out who this person is. And I was like, I wonder if she's still alive. That was my first question. Was I wonder if she's still around? <laughs> and lo and behold, luckily for me, you were, and here we are. So, so that's kind of where I, uh, how I sort of got to got to you. And just so, just so the listeners know, um, if if you ever want to look up some of of your work. You know, it's it's well worth it because it's really interesting stuff. So, anyway, um, so go ahead. So we've got sharp okay. debris. Oh, and sharp uh-huh. debridement. Are we talking scalpels? Are we talking scissors? Um, what are we What are we using there? Sharp debridement is defined if we're going to use our coding and our reimbursement issues uh-huh. with a scalpel or scissors or forceps. Got it. So that's what sharp okay. debridement you use: scalpel, scissors, and forceps. Got it. Yes. Okay, so we've got sharp debridement, we've got pulse lavage, we've got negative pressure wound therapy. What, uh-huh. else, can, what else can we use? Um, one of the um, newest um, kids on the block, I think, is low-frequency non-contact ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that has, you've heard a lot about that recently. Mm-hmm. And that is a wonderful method of irrigation. And the uh, 
neat thing about that is it will break up biofilm, which is a covering, of course, on the wounds that often keeps it from uh, increasing the granulation. And you can't see biofilm, so you don't even know it's there. It's not like necrotic tissue that we're going to sharp debride or that we're going to debride with pulse lavage. It's very different from pulse lavage. They're two tips. Two different things, but the mist um, is it's uh, the non-contact. Excuse me, the low-frequency non-contact ultrasound. I can say the name because there's only one device out there, I mm-hmm. think, and it's mist. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that mist unit is um, works by. Uh, sending ultrasound sonic waves through a mist of saline to the wound does not touch the unit does not touch the wound Mm -hmm. so it's almost entirely painless Mm -hmm. Um, but it's wonderful for breaking up that biofilm and increasing granulation and we've seen really good results with um, especially venous insufficiency ulcers that are so painful Mm -hmm. it's been wonderful with that and they're doing some work now with um, deep tissue injuries which is really surprising thinking that it um, is a possibility it may be reversing some DTIs or deep tissue injuries, which are pressure ulcers, of course, that have not broken through right. the skin. Right. Oh, interesting. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, so that's yeah. really interesting. They're, they're working on some studies with that now. So cool. that's a wonderful thing. Now, there are some other low-frequency ultrasonic um, devices, but they are contact, and they debride, and they will debride... Um, Granulation also. So physical therapists can use them, Mm. but they have to be very careful. They're usually used by surgeons, but they are used by clinicians too. Personally, Mm -hmm. I'm very cautious and prefer not to use them, but some do. So um, they they are available. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, we've mentioned this a couple of times, and that's granulation tissue. So can you just kind of tell the listeners... What the, what the granul what granulation tissue is and how that differs from let's say your necrotic tissue and yeah. why granulation tissue is so important in the healing of a wound. Okay, um, when when you have a wound and it's and you hope it's going to heal and it will heal eventually in about two years. So we are hoping it's going to close actually sooner than that. Mm-hmm. We use the word close. It's going to fill with something and it won't fill again with muscle or bone or tendon or whatever's been removed, but it will fill with something called granulation tissue. And it's a red tissue. And for lack of a better word, it's going to look like fresh hamburger. That's mm-hmm. what it that's what you want it to look like, fresh hamburger meat. It's going to be blood-filled tissue. Um, but um, if it's covered with something that's dead, the tissue that's dead, that's going to be necrotic or non-viable tissue. And it can be all different colors. It doesn't have to be what we first think black. of as black. Right. It will start out being gray or green or um, brown. It can be stringy and then it will become kind of a um, soft, uh, leathery looking, but still soft, and then it becomes hard, and then it becomes what's called an eschar, and that's dead tissue. Mm -hmm. And that's very different from a scab. A scab is what we get when we skin our knee, fall Mm -hmm. down and skin our knee if we've Mm -hmm. been skateboarding or something, our kids are playing. And a scab is just simply dried exudate that covers a wound. Um, But a Eschar or necrotic tissue is dead tissue, and if it's not removed, that wound is not going to close and go towards healing. 
Great. Yeah, I think that's just a good distinction so that people kind of know what we're talking about when we say right. granulation. Right. Okay. So you've got the, uh, I'll just say missed ultrasound because that's okay. what I've been. So we've got that. So what uh -huh. else What else can we use? Um, certainly E-STEM is one of, electrical stimulation is one of the um, most uh, studied and uh, accredited uh uh, accredited, meaning validated uh, interventions as used often. Um, another is compression that we use for um, venous mm -hmm. problems, both uh, wraps, <coughs> multi-layer wraps and stockings. So would that be something like people with lymphedema? Lymphedema, kind of lymphedema is a totally different one, but oh, yes, okay. lymphedema and venous ulcers, and we even have uh, therapists who have special lymphedema certifications, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. a whole nother ball game. Right. Many of our patients have combination lymphedema and venous, but for those who have venous insufficiency, um, compression is just um, um, a gold standard. Has okay. you have to have that, okay. and uh, um, then we have total contact casting that physical therapists do, and that's for your patients with neuropathic ulcers um, and for um, and that takes uh, special training also okay. uh, to do the no total contact so those are just some of them we could go on and on but I yeah. think those are the most the often mm -hmm, the okay. main one and I think it's also important to note that if you are a physical therapist and you want to get reimbursed for a lot of this for these treatments I think it's important to really look at your individual states and individual insurance plans, individual Medicare plans, because what I found in sort of researching is that it's actually a little different. The reimbursement rates are a little different. And even from different insurance companies, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but for using like the pulsed lavage and the negative pressure wound therapy that the wound has to be around for 30 days without showing a lot of improvement and then they'll kick in and, and start paying for it. Well, it it is that uh, you're you're right in that you, it really does depend on your um, insurance, uh, mm -hmm. your reimbursement, mm -hmm. um, and it it can vary from state to state from um, your. Uh, what your whether there's a national coverage decision or a local coverage decision, mm -hmm. and it also depends on the CMS coding, and so that's a whole nother show yeah. too. Yeah. And rather than get into it, I I would just recommend that each therapist check the main thing is check with your um, uh, uh, local coverage decisions mm -hmm. with your. Um, yeah people that are reimbursing you yeah. um, and then make sure the coding is correct because uh, especially e-stem does have to be around for you have to have it for a certain length of time right. and there's some that are bundled you can't bill for two at the same time you build mm. them bundle but it does depend yeah um, and yeah. um it would it would be um remiss of me to say one thing and not right. another because states are so different yeah so i think yes. the bottom line is check with your Check with your insurers, check with your billing department, you know, wherever right. you are, just to make sure that you're coding the right way in order to get reimbursed. Absolutely. For this. And yeah. the coding is, is so important. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. All right. Now, let's, let's go to what does, how, what does a physical therapist bring to wound management that, let's say, other professions may not be able to bring? Okay. Um, aside from the things that we've just talked about, and mm -hmm. especially the the ability to sharp debris, mm -hmm. um, uh, there, I think the 
biggest role we play is uh, one word you would say function. Uh, and that we need to help our patients either regain their function or compensate for the function that they've lost and can't regain. Mm-hmm. And almost every wound is going to have some functional component. And that is what we're really stressing with our therapists right now with the new coding issues. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, we, have the, we have the ability and we have the need to do gait training with our patients to um, uh, uh, find this appropriate assistive device for them, the appropriate offloading device for that wound, to do balance and safety training. You were talking about prevention, uh-huh. to prevent fr- further wounds, to prevent the wounds from getting worse, for mobility progression, for strengthening exercises so they can do transfers better. Um, so t- they can, we can facilitate vascular flow. That's a big thing for uh-huh. our venous ulcers. Uh-huh. Um, for uh, positioning and offloading uh, so that we can get wheelchair um, redistribution for the beds and chairs and then for our wheelchair fitting um, and the ability to and the knowledge to know when to refer to other clinicians or to our physicians and surgeons for the appropriate testing. All of those things, I think, come into play. Right. Just our everything we've learned as physical therapists in the traditional setting, we mustn't forget for those patients that we're sure. um, doing with our wounds. Right. So you're not just going in, measuring a wound, redressing and leaving. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're incorporating every, what you would normally do with this patient had they not had a wound. That's right. Within your treatment sessions. Exactly. So I think that's what gives us the advantage. Yes, exactly. You know, we can do exactly. a little bit of both. And and what I feel like is is wouldn't if PTs were doing the wound care, would that not cut down the amount of visits, let's say, that patient has to go to? It, on an outpatient or even if you're inpatient, you know, it, I just feel like quali- yes. it improves quality of life. You don't have as many appointments that you have to keep or. Yes, it certainly makes sense. And then when you're doing the um, taking care of the wound itself, you know exactly what to do to prevent further damage to uh-huh. that wound, to uh-huh. help offload that wound, to help yeah. redistribute the pressure, to help strengthen what needs to be strengthened. Yeah. To help increase the vascular flow. Yes, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, you know, mm-hmm. we, we sort of touched on this many times, but we know that education for the patients and, and caregivers plays a huge role. Yes. In, in wound care management, wound care prevention. Um, and this is really where we as physical therapists kind of come into play. You know, we're, we're clinicians and educators all in one. Yes, we are. And I think we do it automatically. Mm-hmm. And while while you're treating uh, the wound, um, using treating in quotes, while you're actually uh, sharp debriding or while you're working with the wound itself, you can be doing the education. You're mm-hmm. talking with the patient. Mm-hmm. You're, you combine all those things. Sure. Um, and I also... <clears throat> Even though it's not PT oriented specifically, um, one of the we'll talk about uh, in a few minutes. One of the organizations that um, has um, wound management knowledge have brochures that have been we've developed um, for mm-hmm. education, and we'll talk about that um, when we talk about one of the um, organizations. Yeah. But I don't want to forget that we we have a responsibility to let our patients know what's available for them and the mm-hmm. caregivers for the patients um, from 
public standpoint. Sure, of course, of course. And, you know, a lot of these patients need a caregiver, so it's important yes. to not keep let that person be out of the loop. Absolutely, yes, right. So you're kind yes. of educating both, you know? You are. Okay, so we talked about prevention and wellness. Of course, mm-hmm. that's part of a PT's plan of care. That goes without question. That should be across the board. I don't care if you're doing wound care, you're working in neurology, inpatient, outpatient, it's a given, hopefully, absolutely. right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's talk about those organizations or conferences that can provide uh, continuing ed Okay. for PTs. All right. Um, well, first, I think of APTA as of we think of physical therapists. And we have a, a section in, of course, APTA is divided into different sections. Um, and one of them is the section on clinical electrophysiology and wound management. Um, and then... Uh, uh, SIG, we have a special interest group. That's the wound management special interest group. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage all PTs that have an interest in that um, to look into that. We need more to help us with that. Um, we've talked a little bit about some of the things that we're doing. We'll talk some more about that. Another one that's a multidisciplinary is AAWC, um, the Association for the Advancement of Wound Care, which is a very active association. And they're the ones that have these wonderful brochures. Um, we uh, created, the first one we created was the ABCs of Skin and Wound Care, and it, we created a guide for patients and caregivers, as well as one for um, healthcare providers, um, and the, we talk about how to take care of abrasions, bruises, cuts, and skin cares, and so it's a wonderful brochure to have uh, for your schools, for your um, YMCA, for yourself. Um, then there's another one for uh, the skin you're in. Uh, one for dress and compress, and one for take the pressure off. So those are all cool. good for your patients. Um, and then um, the American Academy of um, CWS also is another association that has good information for physical therapists um, and for other clinicians. Then there are conferences that are available, and um, those pay, uh, PTs who are active in wound care, I think, are probably real familiar. AFPTA uh, has mm-hmm. uh, CSM, in, usually in February, and yep. the annual conference, which is now called NEXT, right. um, in June. Uh, CSM is the one where the sections provide uh, training, both pre-conferences and uh, presentations, and that mm-hmm. we have a real active uh, wound management uh, presence there. SAWC the uh, Symposium on Advancement of, um, of Wound Care. Symposium on Wound Care uh, is in spring and fall, and that's coming up um, next week, as a matter of fact, for the spring. That's a um, large um, international one. And then Clinical Symposium on Advances in Skin and Wound Care is usually held in the fall. And there are many others out there also, but those are probably the major ones. Cool. Then you have some regional ones, uh, state. APTA chapters and conferences. SALSAL is Save a Limb, Save a Life. Um, those chapters are around in mm-hmm. different states. Diabetic Limb Salvage is usually held in D.C. every year. And there are many uh, vendor sponsors. So therapists could look around in their locale for vendors who sponsor um, meetings that mm-hmm. where they have um, continuing education brought in, uh, which are wonderful local if you can't... Um, get travel. away for the big yeah. conference and travel. Yes. Great, great. So well, those are just some of them. There are many out there. Many, yeah. many. Great. That's a great, I think that's a great start. And, mm-hmm. you know, for all those people, it's APTA.org is the American Physical Therapy Association. Yes. So right. 
hopefully people, hopefully most PTs know that one, but you know, there's a lot of PTs in this country and not all of them are part of the APTA. So, okay. So wonderful resources. Yeah. Really, really good stuff. Um, So let's talk about uh, the clinical practice guidelines. All right. Um, And there are not many out there for PTs only. And that's one thing we're working hard on. However, there are some available for us to use. Um, The best resource is the National Guideline Clearinghouse. You can just um, Google that Mm -hmm. on the web. Uh, But there are some multidisciplinary ones that have been developed and there are, in fact, on the Clearinghouse. But AAWC website has those listed. Um, And uh, for nursing also has some on their WOCN site. Mm -hmm. But the exciting thing is that um, we at the... um, our section on wound management and clinical electrophysiology are developing some now. We have a diabetic foot ulcer one starting, um, and then the next one will be a venous leg ulcer one. Uh, And those two are clinical practice guidelines that will be developed um, and then will be accredited. Uh, And then two other big... um, Horses we have right now, task forces, are the G codes for functional limitations. And if PTs are listening, I know that's one of the biggest things right now for wound management. Uh, and that um, of, um, task force is in full swing right now. We hope to have something published within two to three months uh, to help physical therapists understand that we need to code uh, functional limitations every time we do a wound or almost every time rather than just checking other and it's too complicated to go into in this conversation but there are resources out there um, and we you can go to our website um, and you can get some information there and there will be a big discussion about it at SAWC um, next week. And the other is um, one of the uh, biggest things that um, is either good news or bad news um, is that we have started a task force on the role of the physical therapist in wound management because lately we've been hearing from physical therapists that um, wound management is being lost by some physical therapists. And I think you had some things to say about that too. Yeah, it was, and this is coming from my professor for my course this uh, last semester, and she would really, she was wondering, what can we as physical therapists do to kind of regain that foothold into wound management? And and I I know there's no simple answer to this question, you know, um, and I don't know if it comes down to, is it education? Is it education for physicians? Is it education even for PTs themselves? Is it doing community education programs, you know, whether it be maybe in a nursing home for, for patients and their families and the, the staff of a nursing home? Or is it in your local community center? You know, I feel like there are certainly a lot of ways to get the word out there, but it would probably be a lot easier if there were like a central, I don't know, entity, which may be these task task forces, you know, to, to kind of help people to give them ideas on what to do. Right. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Those are exactly the suggestions that we've had. Uh, And I think probably we need to start with the physicians and Uh go to the med schools so Uh that med schools um, have some idea of what PTs can do. 
most of the physicians that we talk with and the physicians that are active with us say that they don't get any education or very little in med school about how to take care of a wound, let alone what PTs or anybody else is involved with. Mm -hmm. So if we can get to them in med school and because what they know, the physicians now know, is what their mentors taught them, which was wet to dry gauze, which of course is not even addressing anymore and that's all all they know and it's just because they have no education um, in that so mm-hmm. that we need to get to them to let them know what's out there now and then go just with what you've said get the word out and to get the word out we need the word so yeah. we're hoping that this um, task force can come up with at least a white paper mm-hmm. and then get it and get articles published and that's our intent mm-hmm. to get go to the um, literature get the um, research out there, get what's re- um, uh, evidence-based, if there is any, and that's the hard part, but we're, we'll do this with mm-hmm. an evidence-based um, background and have something so that physical therapists can take it to their television stations, to their radio stations like you, to get the word out to the public, to get the word to the YMCA, to get the word to their physicians, to get the word to schools, to get the word to their churches, to their places of worship, to sure. get the words out um, so that uh, in the community, so people will know. Um, and we are uh, really open to any suggestions your listeners have. We, If they can contact you and let you mm-hmm. know, we welcome any suggestions and anybody that would like to work with us on this. Um, Great. We really and- would. And if people wanted to learn more about you, where can they find out more info about you and, and perhaps contact you if they have any questions, concerns? They, um, they're welcome to um, write me. My email address um, is hlone, L-O-E-H-N-E, at earthlink.net. Great. And and, and if they want to contact um the section, if they're mm-hmm. interested in the section APTA, um, the best way to do it is to contact um, APTA.org. Um, and I'm trying to think, um, you could contact, if you'll look on the website, you'll find um, the section. Mm-hmm for clinical electro and wound management and it will give you the address to contact our executive director and she Great. can um, forward any information to the appropriate person for questions or whatever we can help you with. Any kind of input. Well, that's great. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so we are actually out of time, which, you know, of course it goes by so quickly every time. So before we end, what, what, is, what do you feel like is the kind of takeaway message for people? listening for our listeners just to know that um, PTs are just as passionate about wound management as we are about all the traditional aspects of physical therapy that we all love we're just as dedicated Um, we are anxious to keep it as dedicated and um, ongoing as we are now and we welcome anyone to please work with us great well Harriet, thank you so much for taking the time out, and and I hope that, uh, I know that people listening to this definitely have a better idea of what PTs do and and why we do what we do in the wound care uh, aspect. So thank you so much. 
Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Great. And I'll be, just so that people know, some of the uh, organizations and conferences, I'll be tweeting them out, uh, you know, after this airs. And so you can follow me at at Karen Litzy NYC on Twitter, and I will be tweeting all this stuff out. So if you missed it, don't worry. It will be on Twitter at some point this week. So thank you all for listening and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.